You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. heard our last episode you will know from the intro and outro that things were starting to change in the world that may have been the only way that you heard about all of this <laughs> yeah the interview yeah perhaps the only media you consume is the is there an echo in here podcast a podcast about echo and the bunnyman and so you thought oh they so- just alluded to a global pandemic mm, in that episode interesting oh. didn't know that was happening yeah because we're your lifeline <laughs> for up to the minute information on a every two and a half month basis. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Uh, episode, what is this? I don't know. 20,024. <laughs> it's been 17 years since our last episode. We're sorry. All right. Yeah. This COVID-19 virus, coronavirus thing kind of screwed us all up. We yep. had to relocate and we're in a new place, but we're fine. And honestly, it's the whole reason this is late coming out is because like we would start to do an intro and then have a meltdown. And we just kept putting it off because we were like, how do we talk about what's been going on these last few months? And so we decided we just wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. We're happy to like, don't think we're brushing this aside, but I just feel like and you I'm not saying it. that it's yeah, that we don't need to be focusing and putting all of our resources, but let's just not do it. Right here, right now, okay, on so this particular just episode. Stay healthy. Exactly. Stay safe. Yes, we are wishing you workers, uh, love and light good, and healing. Look for and the helpers, like Mr. Rogers oh, said. That is the truth. Seriously, um, you know, mourn for the for the dead and uh, fight like hell. Fight for like the hell living. for the living. Even if fighting feels like just sitting <laughs> at your house. That means social distancing take you know, whatever just, it means for you i know to, some of our mm. listeners are in better off places like <gasps> new zealand and uh, elsewhere uh, some of them are in the uk which is you know some Not of them so are good. in the good old usa worst of all <laughs> but we're thinking yeah. about everyone all of our listeners all the people all the people all of the, the people world. In the world so listen <laughs> we're glad you're here we have a great episode for you today we're gonna first we're gonna do some letters we got some letters. People, thanks for writing in. And, and we've gotten more letters since we're putting this one out. Don't worry, we're going we'll to get to you letter. because we love your letters. We love These your letter. letters. We're going to get to your letter. Yes. It's just this, you know, this is not like a paying gig. We can't just, you know, that's, like it's been a little justify to get know, it going. Like, you know, that sometimes the time commitment, but we love doing it and we'll keep doing it. Yep. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to read some letters and, yeah. then, and then we're going to talk about... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the hell this episode's about anymore. What's it about again? Oh man, I think record labels. Like the record labels and kind of it's about what's going on. <laughs> two, yes, two record labels. The only thing that I want anybody to know about this episode is that I do know who John Hancock is. That's all <laughs> you need to know. You know. <laughs> 
I guess that's it. Welcome to the show. It's a lot of fun. We're going to talk about some Derudi column. We're going to talk about some OMD. We're going to talk about some EATB. <laughs> We're going to talk about some Balfi. We're going to talk about some, some um, you know, Finkler. Some, Finkler. You know. We're going to talk about some Roger Eagle. We're going to talk about some Manchester. We're going to talk about Brody. We're going to talk about... It's, it's coming. All your favorites are back. So fasten your seatbelts because... It's going to be a bumpy ride. It's going to be <laughs> some type of ride. <laughs> Okay, but should we do? Let's do some fan fan mail corrections times. Yeah, we have listener letters. Listener letters. They're either fan letters (laughs) or. Uh, excuse me, I have a correction I'd like to make. Okay. I see. I like the correction. No, I like them too. No, and but we, Shane, Shane doesn't know anything anyway. So for, we appreciate I don't know, appreciate like, it. <laughs> okay. I don't care. I know Shane doesn't care, but I'm always like, oh, fascinating. Huh? That is. No, no, I do in care. In fact, Mark II did play at the blah blah blah. Oh, super blah, interesting. Blah, blah. Super. Okay. Um. <laughs> so this one was was really great. This is by. This is a little letter by Mr. Biscuits, um, who is our friend on Instagram. And, okay, he was listening to the, the episode before our last episode, which was an interview. This is the episode where we were talking about, was it Reddit and Books? Lord, that seems like years oh, ago. shit out of me. Let's look it up. <laughs> what was this episode 22 about? Uh... Episode 22 was actually the birth of the bunny men, which is where they play their first show. Okay. And then before that was Dolphus Ramser. Oh, first show. Okay, that's right. And before that was who read, uh, was, uh, <laughs> read it in books. Okay. So, so he says, I'm just listening to that episode about their first show where we talk about the name of the band. And in that in that discussion, we analyze a sentence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by, by Mick Middles. <laughs> and we go word by word. <laughs> yeah, because it was just and like define a, every word in the sentence. Yeah. Oh, when you break it down. It's like what straight out of Alice in Wonderland <laughs> or something. All right, listen. Okay. Mr. Biscuit, a few things to mention. And this is what I want to talk about. Soft lad. Okay. Soft here doesn't mean gentle. It's more of a friendly jibe to say someone's being a bit of an idiot. So again, it just means stupid. Like I feel like three of the, the things in this. They're sentences. like soft in the head. Yes. I don't and I don't have the sentence before me. Soft lads. Cheeky something. Cheeky monkeys. <laughs> uh Profoundly sound. Thank you. Let's try to remember the sentence. Ah, oh, let me think. You don't have it's this whole book memorized yet. <laughs> what do we 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 break down the? Sentence what was it? The of, King of Cool. The King of Cool. It's right in there. I just yeah, didn't. No, get no, it. we don't need to. So okay, we. <laughs> so soft lad. So I was like, okay, but a soft lad, you know, means gentle. No, it just means dumb. And the other stuff and oh, daft sods. That means stupid too. Oh yeah, daft sods. So just stupid, stupid, stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Profoundly scouts. All right. Um, I do have to go get that fucking sentence out and read it, don't I? No. Okay. The quote that appears on page forty-three of King of Cool by Mick Middles is, "Daft sods, 
soft lads, hugely cheeky, a scam, bunnymen, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful and profoundly scouse. Now, scouse. <laughs> no, my my S is kind of popped. I want to whisper like, scouse. <laughs> please do. It's like, okay, and then he goes on. Um, to let me know about the uh, Mick Houghton or Houghton or Houghton. <laughs> Houghton, Houghton, Houghton. <laughs> Which we want, but now, you know, money's a little tight now. It was before also. But we would love <laughs> to own this book that he just, um, oh, what is that thing called? It's called... Something very epic and KLF-y. Oh, yeah. Fried and justified. That's right. Okay. We do need this book. Um, but now that we're not buying anything other than, you know, food and essential items, maybe. Don't be ordering that book. That groceries. is a luxury item. I know. Right I now. know. You can't. You can't. Like, and subject. Amazon, man, let me tell you something. That's where the, the workers don't. They, they can't be filling orders that are for a bunch of. They can't be filling orders. Frivolous. And, like, and Amazon's got their hand out asking for con- contributions to what? His empire? Give I don't know. They don't All pay right. no taxes. Uh-uh. So anyway, um, I won't be ordering that, but... <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> yeah. One day. One day when things are... when the After the after rev. The, after the troubles. <laughs> um, oh, I lost it. Okay, well, there was... He gave me another um, link to a Julian Cope thing. So, Shane, you have a letter to read. Oh, yes, I do. Uh, I want to say thank you, Mr. Biscuits. Thanks, I like Mr. to know Biscuits. that stuff. We All love right. corrections. <laughs> I got some corrections for you today, if you want. <laughs> All right, this is a letter that came back to us back in December. It's extremely long, and there's a follow-up that's also... Okay, this is amazing. Very, oh, it's an amazing letter, but very thorough, very exciting. Like uh, You want to hang on the, every word. Yeah, Maybe these are we the should, kind of people, uh, you know, that... We're just so excited to hear from, uh, that could be you. Write us a long letter. Okay. Because we, I will pour over this it. This is from Gavin O'Neill, podcast fan. But we're not going to read the whole thing. Hey, Courtney. I'm going to read it really fast. <laughs> hey, Courtney and Shane, I love your podcast, and I've listened to every episode since the beginning. I typed Bunnyman into the podcast search bar right after your first episode. Total coincidence. I turned 50 years old tomorrow. I grew up in the Bay Area in California and saw the Bunnymen a few times in the 1980s. They got me young and in the heart. I want to type some random things really quick because I'm off to work. No one else cares about this weirdness, so I thought I'd share it with you guys. Smiley face. Yes. Number one, I have a giant book about Eric's Club. It's by Jackie Florick and Paul Whalen. Oh, I, I ordered it part. when it came out, and it's super rare and expensive now. I got lucky, and there's probably not a lot of copies in the States. Two, I think the Bunnymen had these things called Atlas Adventures. You know how they hosted that cool event, A Crystal Day, for the fans? Yes. I'm sure you'll get to that on the podcast. Anyway. Someday. <laughs> they may have done more. I'm not sure. My plan is to host an Atlas adventure and take my old Bunnyman friends from high school to the places from all the Bunnyman album covers. Here's the main mystery to solve. I know where all the covers were shot except for the 12-inch covers of Never Stop and The Killing Moon. Listen. Three, I figured out the Brian Griffin. You can jump in anytime. Say anything. I'm going to keep going and talk over it. I figured out that Brian Griffin took the photos from the Bunnyman covers. You probably already know that. Anyway, he has a website, BrianGriffin.co.uk. His pop book is out of print and super expensive. In his descriptions of the Bunnyman photos, he tell where they were all shot. He has photos for sale from the sessions. I asked him about the price. His response was, my prints of the Bunnyman are 1,250 pounds for a 20 by 24 sign plus posters. This is a little out of my range, but the photos are super cool. Four, at this site, ForgottenVinyls.com, WordPress, 2012, 
slash 10 slash 13 slash E is for Echo and the Bunny and the Porcupine. This guy shows Iceland photos from the frozen waterfalls on Porcupine. My parents just went to Iceland and I made them promise to visit these falls. The tour bus driver played the bunny man on the bus. Smiley face. Oh, that's so Five. Cool. I, I am learning to make too. giant posters on my iMac. I'm going to do epic bunnyman series and I'll send you guys some. Oh, that's all good. Wow, what a great I guy. I know. Six. Dude. There's an awesome podcast called www.c86show.org. He interviews Paul Simpsons from the Wild Swans, and it's really great. He is making a new album Allison with the guitar Ryan. player from the church. Seven, it's cool hearing your opinion slowly change on Julian Cope and the teardrops. Oh, it is. The thing that did it for me was hearing the Floor Genius <laughs> compilation. I loved all the songs on that record. I think it's the best Julian like, Gateway Praise Jesus. Praise. It became part of the appeal for me that he could act so annoying at times oh. and write such lovely pop songs. Also, the Great Dominions by Teardrops is on there. Who's annoying? Oh, Cope. Yeah. Cope. Worth the price of admission. Eight, I just got a copy of the double album Peel Sessions. This record is wild. The version of Over the Wall is my favorite, I think. Also, you basically get an alternate Universe Ocean Rain album. Okay, that's it for now. Just want to say hi and remind you that you people out here who care about what you're doing and look forward to every episode, thanks for all your hard work and your courage to live in the realms of the impossible. You're a fan, Gavin O'Neill. We wrote him back. Blah, blah, blah. He wrote us again. (laughs) Hey, CNS, thanks for the awesome response. It was so great getting your message. Research on Atlas Adventures continue. It looks like the term was actually applied to Bunnyman video projects. They did a full suite of videos for Wikipedia and entitled Atlas Adventure. They also applied it to the live owl film Shine So Hard. But I'm stealing the name for my own purposes. Ha <laughs> ha. You can, of course, read any part of my letter on the pod. I would be honored. Oh, reading the whole thing, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. When I get this trip together, I will totally coordinate with the show. Here's some notes so far. God, this is going to after the, the plague, of course. I know. Okay. That's what I was okay. going to say. Here's this some is- notes so far. Crocodiles and the Puppet were shot in a grove of trees in the farmlands in Rixman's worth about 17 miles north of London. I won't be able to find the exact spot, but if you look at photos of the area, it's total pastoral bunnyman country. The countryside at night will be supernatural. Shine So Hard was shot at the Pavilion Gardens, Bucks and Derbyshire. It's a botanical garden with a Victorian theater. The Beatles played there. It's 60 miles west of Liverpool, but Macclesfield, hometown of Ian Curtis. Shine So Hard is its own story for a later date. Heaven Up Here and Promise were yes, shot at Porthcawl yes, Beach and Cliffs in South Wales. I just want to interject here that didn't Peter Allen mention how these were all places that uh, yes. that Bill Drummond's parents took him on vacation yes. <laughs> when he was a kid? Okay. And I think that he mentions that, like, Bill The Drummond Back of Love himself. is a painting by Henry Scott. Tuke, 1858-1929. Just to confuse things, the painting is called The Promise. It was painted in an orchard at Penmire in Cornwall, England. There's a train station there. You gotta go you two places. stay at the Penmire Manor Hotel. Mm-hmm. It'll be a bunnyman afternoon of orchard hunting. Yes. The painting itself is in room 10 at the Walker Art Gallery in Liverpool. I want to go on this yes, trip. Yes, me Gavin, too, please take man, us with you. Are you independently wealthy friend. and you can take us with you? Okay, never we stop. middle school a mystery. school. I've we emailed were... the bunnyman website, but no response. Porcupine was shot at Golfus Falls in Iceland in winter. The cutter was also shot at Golfus Falls, but the back of the 12 inch was a photo of the Royal Burundi drummers who performed on Zimbo Cutter B-side at Peter Gabriel's first WOMAD festival in 1982, but I think mm-hmm. the photo is a ceremony on the plans of Burundi, Africa. You, this you, adds a whole new situation to the Atlas adventure. How faithful do I want to be? Do I want to go to Burundi, Africa? I don't know. That's that's basically what he's saying now. Do I want to Did go you to say Africa? something about Peter Gabriel or am I just tripping? Uh, he had a festival in 1982. And that's Can you speak to that? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. okay. Ocean Rain and Silver were shot in the Cornglaze Cavern below Bodmin Moor in Cornwall. There are two covers for Seven Seas. One has video stills from a film called Life at Brian's Lean and Hungry that was made for the BBC's Play at Home series. The gatefold cover includes shots of the Liverpool ferry crossing in the River Mercy. Some buildings in Liverpool at the Bunnyman's 
favorite restaurant, Brian's Cafe on Stanley Street, now gone. The second cover has photos from the set of Anton Corbin's video for Seven Seas. He built the set to look like the Star Club in Hamburg, Germany, where the Beatles made their famous stand of early shows. The real club closed in 1969 and the building would be destroyed in fire in 1987. No Germany trip necessary as the Bunnymen weren't really in Hamburg. Smiley face. The Killing Moon, a mystery. I've emailed the Bunnymen website, but no response. Okay, this will be a crazy trip all over England and Wales. There is Wait, that, did he say the Killing Moon? Oh, okay. There is that single. jump to Iceland and then the debate about Burundi. You guys want to come with? Thanks again for did everything. Did he ask us? Your fan. Yeah. Yes, we, yes, we do. We do want to come. Um, we don't have any money and there's a pandemic, but... um. And that. then he uh, sent us this other thing about the, that new book about In Search of Courtney Love, Liverpool 1982 that just oh, came yeah. out, which I never wrote him back. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna write him <laughs> back right now, live on the podcast. Dear Gavin, comma, you are so awesome, exclamation point. Thanks for sending this book. I want you to know that I am currently reading your emails on the podcast live, and I'm also recording myself saying this so that you will be able to hear it in the next episode, period. Much love, my friend. Comma, Shane. <laughs> and send. I'm so glad we read, we wrote them in full. Read them. I'm so glad that you read them in full. That's like, I mean, because we did need all of that information. First what, of all, they were brilliant. Everybody needs a little I information. I hope that you understood. This it was fast. It was some brilliant. Yeah. Podcast lately. Yeah. He needs to be on the podcast. We need to he make this, to this be a on, podcast adventure. He's a correspondent. He's going to go to these places when the pandemic's over in 10 years, and he's going to see them. And like, maybe we can get other people who are listening to the podcast that want to go to go too, and we can do like a big group trip. Maybe he doesn't want everyone, though. That's true. Maybe it's a special for him. Maybe he just goes. Maybe you and I don't go. <laughs> and he just goes. Maybe just me and him go. <laughs> just two two men. No, out his, there. his other high school friends will be there too. Oh. You well, and his not, high school friends. Not anymore. Friends. <laughs> just me and Gavin together in the orchard and in Iceland and possibly Burundi. I can't wait. I'm really excited for Gavin to receive the email that I just talked texted to him. <laughs> and then later, like, man. Like tonight, maybe. Later, or tomorrow. Maybe later, like in a week or two. Or three weeks like, or six months <laughs> when this episode comes out. He'll hear yeah. me reading it. Yeah, man. He'll be like, oh, that was that text I got two months ago. Um, I don't know. I'm going to put this thing out just raw. I'm not going to edit it. I'm going to put it out like Oh, tomorrow. dude, he already wrote back. <laughs> oh my gosh this just in <laughs> gavin wrote ha ha yay that's so awesome See, love you guys that is just trippy i just want to say that's like a whole man. episode unto itself i think we might have to have him on to talk about that, that we was, do need him on. yeah that was like in-depth uh that was some knowledge and some seeking that was some, and some yearning and some, that's a quest that's that a quest a, it's a life's quest yeah <laughs> that's our dog making a sound that she does sometimes. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, hmm. all right. Well, that was our letter. Uh, it was our letter portion. From Gavin. Well, we could go into the Winked. corrections that I received uh, when I posted <laughs> episode 23 to the Echo and the Bunnyman Facebook group on Facebook. I don't know. There were some corrections. But the weird thing about those corrections... Is they weren't really for us. They were correcting Peter Allen. It's like, 
who are you to correct Peter Allen about his memories of these things? You know, it's like maybe maybe he's like you know, time becomes a blur. I, you can correct me. I don't know what's happening, Shane, Laura. You can correct, but it is kind of like it's like being corrected on your life story. Actually, it was. <laughs> People do that. I mean, you know what? But Look, I was a interested. A lot of people are invested in this. And people, and it is important to have your facts straight because my memory is like, I would like somebody to come behind me and be like, actually, Courtney, that was 92, not 2010 yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you did that thing. Yeah. And so, you know, we could go into those corrections. Uh-uh. Listen, okay. thanks for the corrections. I know. We'll do better. We will. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so news for the Bunnymen, I think uh, there's none. Huh. No news is good <laughs> news, except that the reason there's no news is because there's a global pandemic. So there and you there's go. There's plenty of that news you can read about. So you know, we'll just we'll <laughs> offer some. Uh, we're not gonna really offer news. We're gonna we're gonna travel back in time once again. We're gonna go make some back in time music for me. Gonna go back in time. <laughs> you sing the you, wait. Is that Huey Lewis? No, but that was also in the movie. Uh, <laughs> Are you seeing that behind me as I set the scene? Go back for... in time. I might be Huey Lewis. <laughs> so, okay. So let's take it into this whole thing. Let's take it back to the Bunny Men, okay? Oh yeah. Like, what is what is this episode gonna be? Where do we leave them? The Bunny Men. What happened? They I played even... their first show. They played their first show, okay? And then we did the Chris. Nope. It's Paul. What's his name? <laughs> Peter Allen. Peter Allen. Yeah. Okay. The Peter Allen episode. The, the last episode, yeah. So, okay, so they, they played their first show, okay? Yeah. Now, once that happens, things are going to start to move really fast. They are going to feel like, as teenagers, that things are moving really slowly, though. So we'll Ain't that how it is? Ain't that how it is? Yeah. yeah. But they're going to happen really fast. And these guys are going to be really famous, really so they're going to be signed to a label, okay? Yeah. yeah. Um we're going to hear about like stories of various labels. Oh, I can't wait. Compa- I can't and wait. some old, you know, white men stories that are like blown out of proportion about Roger Eagle and Tony Wilson. You know, we're going to hear all about that. Um, After so it's happened. They've had a show, right? Who? <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like, so that's basically, I think that's all that happened in the last episode. And just to review, their show consisted of a one-song jam. Okay. That's right. It was one song? One-song jam. Which song? Monkeys. Monkeys. I knew known that. Known as I Bags of Yours at the time. So yeah. much has happened in the world since that episode <laughs> that I, uh, now I remember. Mm-hmm. Mm. So yeah, they've had this show. I'm and sorry. so they're like, what's next for us? I mean, I'm ready to, yeah. like. That's are, it. Let's do this. Uh-huh. Where's, you know, our label and our record and our, you know, yeah, tour. The brass Where ring. I'm ready. And, and so. For just a moment, let's take stock of what they've got. What they've got. They have their first gig, right? Mm-hmm. They have written how many songs? Two songs. That's two songs. They have two songs, all right? 
Um, and four days prior to the gig, they add a bass player. Right, right. Okay? Again, you know, this is Amazing. like, there's a, they're a trio, and they've got a drum machine. And so, yeah, that's what they've got going for them. But where is the label? Mm. Where is the contract? Where are the ladies? They're on their way. Yeah. You know, just on a, on a platter. So why do you think all of that is going to happen so quickly for them? Just back to back to back. I mean, this episode is just going to be go, go, go. Why do I think that? Why do you think that they were able to get signed to a, have two labels vying for their attention? Getting out a record, all that stuff. I mean, they were good. They were good. That was yes. Is that the answer? I think. I mean, I have more. I have a broader answer than that. Yeah, let's hear the broad, please. That's what I'm saying. Oh well, I mean, it was like kind of a confluence of events, you know. Like Eric's club was happening in place. You got the punk rock thing going on. Then you got like, you know, there was a scene, and then you got like people like. You know, like a bunch of bands, like, you know, bands are doing well. There's money to be made at this point in time in the record industry. So people are taking chances on artists left and right. It's like, and, you know, you got white male privilege going for you. Hmm. <laughs> you know. What's this you say? What's the of you speak of? Yes, it is the waters we are swimming in. It is all around us. <laughs> ah, Look on I it. never Look noticed. Upon it. I have, oh. Take this bill and awaken mm, interesting yeah and i i guess they probably wouldn't see that way you know yeah and no. i just want to pause on that and say that that is like a maybe the key factor here when we think about bands that were successful they were mostly men in bands white <laughs> that's not to say that echo and the bunny men is not like my favorite band, but I'll never know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What do you, you seem a little skeptical. No, I'm not, no. <laughs> I just thought we would operate from the privilege of like the universal <laughs> narrative, you know, just. Oh, no, of, no, <laughs> no. I didn't know you were, I was gonna have to reflect. <gasps> yeah, we gotta get my, meta. Uh, now there's no real, like there's no container here. We're two white people. We can't really discuss race in a way that um, has meaning or anything to teach anyone. But I just feel like it's important to acknowledge and recognize just that this was a somewhat segregated scene. I think that we can say that because we are white people and we cannot see our privilege, we assume there is an absence of people of color but really, mm. there are people of color influencing the scene and all around that have been erased from the narrative. So we just have to, I just want to acknowledge that there, you know, there's some segregation. I was watching this documentary the other day about Monty Python and uh, like the formation of it, you know? Yeah. And it was like, and everything was like, you know, they, they went to Cambridge and Oxford and all these mechanisms were sort of in place of how like Terry Gilliam went to New York and he blah, oh, blah, blah. And all they these, were like, you they know, went to the, like the, the Cambridges and the Oxford. Oh yeah, okay. for sure. And they were in like the theater comedy club thing, you know, whatever. But, but it's just interesting. And then, you know, they went, got working for the BBC after that. But it was interesting to like 
like these very funny white men, you know, going through these very white, like imperialist institutions. And they were talking about all these things, like as though it was objective reality, you know, does that make sense? That is to say that like the, the places they went to get a pat on the back and to give them money and resource them and all that, you know, we're all just these kind of steps on the path that were sort of taken for granted in this way. It felt like, right. Obviously you're not, there's, there's a lot of talent there and there's a lot of, you know, but just this whole storybook thing of getting discovered and kind of getting resourced and getting Mm -hmm. in with a certain crew. And then we were all writing together and producing this show, you know, and it's it's just interesting. It was, it, it reminded me of this kind of, you know, this this privilege that doesn't really get seen because it's the water that you're swimming in, you right. know? And so with like, oh, Eric's Club and all, and like the, you know, what's going on on the Liverpool scene and the, the kind of social circles as they kind of exist within which groups arise or whatever, everything's sort of taken for granted and not really, they don't really see that privilege, you know? Right, they don't, totally. you know, it's and, and they don't even see how that it would be exclusionary. It's just accepted reality from some like some objective standpoint which is totally just capitalist uh patriarchal white supremacist white supremacist (laughs) like structures totally but it's just talked about in this kind of like normal way you know and then this happened and we met so and so and they gave us a job doing this and then we got you know and i met uh, terry and then we got together and then we formed <laughs> this thing and then we are on the radio and next thing you know we're on the tv you know and it's like yeah. it just seemed but it, and there's you know as though those are just that's just a path we were on because we were so talented and great and they are talented and so is echo and the bunnyman but they don't really consider that like exactly <laughs> that like... these machines that are in the world are not you know, they're only, it's an, it's an imperialist kind of culture that allows that yeah. kind of rising to the top. Totally. And you see that they, they had that, um, some class privilege that Echo and the Bunny Men did not have. Uh. And that is that, you know, that intersects with race and like, it's not one thing hmm. anyway, you know, and to say that they have privilege, I mean, Egg on the Bunnymen, yes, certainly in those ways, but they also are kind of unlikely. This was an interesting period of time in music history when there were many independent labels, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, There are books about it, you know? Yeah. This was a special time, and they certainly had to drive around the country in a bus that barely worked, lugging their equipment all over the place, you know? Don't feel like it's that's gonna a good time, just though. be. Isn't yeah? It's not, and that's a good time too. That builds character. Maybe these very things, privileges, lack thereof, are gonna affect them as they are launched into the cosmos. Mid-level be- rock superstardom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're gonna be tracking that. Okay, but for now, large club status. <laughs> Okay, now we're gonna get into a whole thing. And honestly, when it comes to like labels and business and all this stuff, it is boring to me. But huh. Shane, you're gonna, as a music insider, you're gonna make this interesting. 
like you always do with everything. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm going to cut through the bullshit Ooh. here. Yeah, all right. All Take right, a breath, go. y'all. We're talking about late. All right, so Echo and the Bunnymen play one show. Then we imagine they go back and they're starting to write some other songs that we'll be talking about soon. Okay. Meanwhile, Roger Eagle and Pete Fulwell start a label. That sounds familiar. Who's Pete Fulwell? They're thinking. Again? Let me let me rephrase that. They're thinking about starting a label. Okay. Who's Pete Fulwell again? Is he Eagle's okay. partner? That's Eagle's partner. All right. He's a guy. It's um, been a while. It's been a while. It's been twenty episodes <laughs> since we talked about Roger Eagle. and Pete Fulwell. Well, you know Pete. Mm, like his counterpart in my mind, David Balf. Balfie. <laughs> Was he the drummer for the Big in Japan? Oh, God, yeah. He sure, he was a, uh, I should know. We'll come back to him. But we're talking about Pete Fulwell, all right? This is Roger Eagle's old friend and business partner, okay? Okay. Okay, so they're running a club, okay? Yep, yep. They don't really feel capable of running a label exactly, but they keep kind of reaching into that sphere. Okay. For instance, they financed the Big in Japan EP, okay, which uh-huh. came out in 78. Okay. They financed that, and it was kind of like weirdly successful, you know, for what it was. Yeah. And then they, they like financed some teardrop stuff, and they wanted, they heard Echo and the Bunnymen, and maybe they'd played more than one show at this point. And they're like, man, we want to do something with you. We want to finance you or manage you. But they don't really know how to do this label thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's where a guy named Tony Wilson comes in on the scene, the other scene, the Manchester scene. Okay, okay. All right, we're going to reach out. Is that Factory Records? And touch Manchester Factory Records, all right? I'm so proud of myself. Oh, Shane, I am so proud of you, too. I don't even know where that came from. Yes, it's in there. It's in there. You're getting it. You're understanding (laughs) who this guy is, you know? Would you recognize him if you saw him? Tony Wilson. Tony. Tony Wilson. fucking Pete. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to call them all Pete. That's it. The Pete's. It should be the Pete's instead of the Jeff's. Okay. Um, Anyway. The Pete's and then uh, the Smith's. And the Smiths are from Manchester. Okay. Okay. And this is where we're just going to stop the narrative and take a deep dive into Manchester. Okay. Uh oh. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Know this city. Okay. All right. We know that it's kind of a sibling city of Liverpool. Mm-hmm. How far of a drive would you say it was? I have no idea. They talk about, you know, they use the metric. I can't tell. How many kilometers is it? I don't know that either. <laughs> but if you look in the map real close, oh, I want to know they that. had that. Ch- that uh, How long does it take to drive from Liverpool to Manchester? Traffic from Liverpool, England to Manchester, England is light. So I'm estimating 55 minutes, PM 62. And there you have it. Okay. Siri so said if I take the M62 right now. Traffic is light. It'll take about 55 minutes. They are right next to each other. Yeah, that's nothing, man. What are some cities that are that close to each other? Of that side, that one's 500,000 people. Like, Yeah, no, that's weird. It is weird. And they had, so it's like the same city. That's the deal with the yeah, UK. Yeah. It's a They're megalopolis. all the same yeah. city. All right. 
Because this is uh, the other neighborhood. I'm trying to think of cities that was like what's comparable to that in the United States. There's not really even. I can't think of South Florida, maybe. Yeah, I guess like Fort Lauderdale, Miami, or something. (laughs) (laughs) That is what it is. That's like nothing. That's that's like that's just yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Yeah. I am trying to figure out the name of that train. Okay, Baltimore to DC. That's okay. That's, that's a, a better much. comparison. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Manchester. Because those are scenes. Those are explicit scenes. They are. And they're very, that's a great comparison because DC is more monolithic and. Punk um, rock came out of there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Punk, but in a very sort of hard and sparse and stark way. You got your minor threat. Oh, yeah. I mean. You he, got your bad brains. Right. And whereas Baltimore is a bit more flamboyant. Can I just say that when Siri just told me what road to take and how long it would take, that oh. I was like, man, that would be cool to like to do that right now. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could just hop on the M65 and get on Good over old. to Manchester from uh, my flat in Liverpool right now. Yep. Uh we can go there in our minds. That's what we're doing right now. Okay? You could also it's take a Google uh, street tour. Oh, maybe we should do that and talk y'all through it. Or you can just do that along with us as we talk about this, okay? But I'm going to take you back in the past. We're going to go back into the deep history of Manchester. I found an old, it looks like an old GeoCity site, but it's... It's some kind of uh, a brief history of Manchester by Tim Lambert. Okay, this gives you a rundown of their history since uh, Roman times. Wow. So I'm going to go through the highlights that really struck me as important. Okay. So, for one thing, Manchester began as a wooden fort that was built by the Roman army. Uh, the Romans called it Mamusium, breast-shaped hill, probably <laughs> because the plateau okay. resembled a breast. Hey. Like, that's the sense. That's what men see that are I mean, heterosexual. I uh, see it, too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Heteronormative Romans. Heteronormative more Romans. <laughs> that's what... So. Yeah, they, they saw that, and they were like, all right. I so see what, a tit. what was there before the Romans came? There's, I think there's a whole weird British history controversy. Is it like the that. Druids or something? Something, something. <laughs> like a, and there's like a, some Vikings and stuff that came too. Druids. <laughs> so, that was the interesting thing about that. So then there's the Middle Ages. Okay. Okay. Well. So at the time of the Doomsday Book in 1086, mm-hmm. there was a village called Mamchester. Okay. Okay. That, right. And it was changed at that point to Manchester. Mm. So, the, okay, the Normans, they're always talking about the Normans too. Uh-huh. In the 11th century, they come to Manchester. Okay. And it's a small village, but things change in the 12th century. Thing, population's growing, okay, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Uh, Middle Ages. And then there's a wool industry. 
so the wool and this is in like 1200 y'all this is old but they do this thing after the wool is woven they're it's beaten with some water and some clay uh-huh. to thicken it okay and then they hit it with some wooden hammers uh-huh and then like they dry the wool and then they dye it okay and that was like from the beginning, and without they're that, doing a bunch of difficult. Yeah. I mean, that's not even yeah, the, yeah. the end with, of that. Well, without what that, they have to do with that wool. Like, this is an industry at the time. This is twelve hundred BC. Okay, I hear you. And these guys are fucking pouring like mud on some woven ass wool, hitting it with a hammer. All right, all day long. All this, yes. This is important, okay? Okay. When you listen to Joy Division, I I'm want y'all to think about okay. this. I'm thinking right? it's like generational trauma. Water and clay to thicken this wool. And without this is that. after it was woven and No full. factory records. It was full. This is called fulling. Anyway, yeah, factory records. Exactly. Thank you. Okay, okay. So there's a spring, blah, blah, blah. They oh, finally open a school in 1515. Uh, there's a bishop uh okay this is was this stuck out to me for some reason uh in 1603 manchester suffered an outbreak of plague which may have killed one quarter of the population huh however the town soon recovered there were always plenty of poor people in the countryside these are direct quotes uh, in the countryside, willing to come and work in the town and replace the dead. Just, okay. Got it. Uh, yeah. In the 17th century, you know, it was famous for its wool. Once again, we got cotton. And then, you know, wars, what have you. Uh, in 18th century, it's still medium size. However, it's going to just grow and grow. And then factory records, the rest is history, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think there's some other stuff. Smiths. The Smiths, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you know about Manchester and the music scene? Even as a I know that belligerent ghouls run Manchester schools. See, you know that even as more of like a a jazz uh aficionado. Jazz bow. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and a prog guy, even you know what other bands come from Manchester. The fall. The fall, of course, which we're gonna have an entire episode on them. You got Joy Division. Mm-hmm. You got anybody else you can think of? I mean, I'm sure there's plenty that I'm familiar with. Go well, ahead, there me. is an incredible um, article by blah, blah, blah. I'll put it in later. Okay, but what is it? Who um, else is from there? Who else is from there? I'm kind of blanking right now. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. I know everybody. <laughs> okay. Oh, like everybody, though, is everybody. Is it Happy Mondays? Happy Mondays are from there? Um, yeah, but they had like one song. Stone Road. I think... Right. Oasis, man. It's like everybody from the 80s and 90s. Stone Roses, Oasis, 808 State, mm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Simply Red. Oh. Remember them? Yeah. Holding back the years. What's their other song? I remember my cousins every time that came on. I'd be like, uh, The Chemical Brothers. Oh. Okay. No kidding. Take that. Is that a band? It is. I don't know either. Not maybe a damn now song. Now we're getting into the deep cuts as you scroll on out. All right. Um, so anyway, starting to get down into the old. I want to see uh, if there's anybody in the old. Like uh, what do you call it? Oh yeah, it's getting. We're starting to get into the uh, <laughs> it's and materials of Manchester here, <laughs> which AKA the good stuff, you know. All right. 
Manchester. Uh, that is where a guy named Tony Wilson mm-hmm. lived. Okay. And opened a club called The Factory at the Russell Club in Manchester. And he and Pete... His name is Tony Russell? (laughs) What's his name? Tony Wilson. Oh, but he has a club called the Russell Club? The Russell Club, yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, cool. (laughs) Go on. Okay. So, yeah, he's got a club. Pete and Roger. I got a club. club. (laughs) You got a club. We all have a club at this point. Roger and Pete and and Tony... They share, ba- they send bands to each other. They make sure the bands hit both of their clubs on consecutive nights or something. Mm. They have like a deal. They have a oh, lot that makes of, sense. they work together that a makes lot. Makes sense. They're less than a fucking hour <laughs> apart. <laughs> oh, for yeah. real. So. That would be so convenient for the band. They could yeah. basically stay in one place the whole time and just run. Because that's how I would, I would come home after that gig. Town, Although, you know. That's why. Like, I'll play a gig two and a half hours away and drive home right after it's over. That's That was one thing I, I noticed about my conversation with um, Peter Allen is that he, I was like, oh, Atlanta's three hours away. He was like, oh, my God, that's so far. I was thinking. No, it's that's not. That's really close. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So they do stuff together. Now the gas is 15 cents a gallon. I mean, I'll, mm-hmm. just, but mm-hmm. we can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> the irony, the irony. So... They're they're working together, and so Roger Eagle's like, you know what? Maybe I can like start a label with this guy. Maybe I'll start a label, and maybe we could do like a sampler together. They start talking. Let's do a sampler. Mm. On one side, Mm -hmm. it would be, you know, uh, Joy Division, and and this weird band. There's a weird band. <laughs> there's a band called. <laughs> there's a band called the Daruti Column. Oh, I've heard of them. Exactly. Doesn't that ring a bell? Why? I think we were maybe listening to Space Junk recommendations. Oh yeah. Maybe. That's right. And it was wild. I liked. We liked it. I think. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's. What's an A and R? Uh. What does that stand for? Well, that's the people that go and like seek out the artists. Right. So Eagle's like trying to get Wilson to be that person for him and start this Manchester Liverpool record label. Okay. Now Wilson's excited. Acquisitions and research. Okay. No, I don't know. I just made that up. Oh, (laughs) it's like, sounds good. I don't know. But so Wilson's into it because he really likes this quote directionless band. Artists and repertoire. Artist and repertoire. I never knew that. Me? How crazy neither. is that? I've always known that term. They're like, Artist oh, the A, there's an A&R guy in the crowd tonight. You know? Repertoire. That, what does that even mean? They sign the artists and they like acquire the repertoire that the label's going to publish. All right. Yeah. It, it, they acquire it. It is the division of a record label or music publishing company that is responsible for talent scouting and overseeing the artistic development of recording artists and songwriters, according to the internet. I thought that was like your manager or your label. No, no. There's a lot of... Wait, you thought A&R was a manager? Yeah, well, I know. I thought that's what that role was, is like coming into the studio and being like, I don't know, guys. Well, I I think there's there's a manager also who... 
the manager There's is a lot hired of by the artist. In. Okay. And then the A and R works for the label. Okay. So maybe like you're in the studio with the situation you described, and there might be a little conversation going on Ooh. between the A and R and the manager. Yes. Because the manager is working for the artist. Right. Typically. Interesting. Okay. Well, anyway, this is kind of like what Roger Eagles wanting Tony Wilson to do. Okay. One of the, the perhaps the most famous A&R guy is um, a guy by the name of John Hammond. Okay. Right. That, 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 and um, he signed uh, Bob Dylan. That's not the guy who signed the um, Declaration of Independence, right? No, that's, I'm just uh, no, no, but no. John Hammond, uh, no, he 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 um, discovered Bob Dylan. You want to hear who this guy discovered? I mean, I remember him in that documentary. Yeah, okay. Oh, Bob Dylan. Oh yeah, he's the guy. He's Benny. in New York and scoping around. Yeah. Okay. Benny totally. Goodman. Count, oh yeah. No, no, Count Basie, Billy Holiday, whoa, Robert Johnson, Bessie Smith, Aretha Franklin, Shoot. Pete Seeger, and Bruce Springsteen. Billy Holiday and Bruce Springsteen. He completely shaped Count Basie the 20th century. And Bob Dylan. Yeah. Okay. Well. But the, he was let's extremely wealthy. For... Yeah, he was a Vanderbilt and he <clears throat> uh, discovered all these artists and got them record deals. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Daruti column. <laughs> let's talk about the Daruti column. Anyway, that's. You know, this is important too. Yeah. This is important too. Okay. He's an AR guy too, kind of. Right? Who? Right. Duruti column? <laughs> Tony Fletcher. That's a terrible fucking name. Let me tell you about the Duruti column, because maybe it's a great name. But uh, I will tell you this. Like, they made that word up. I don't know what the fuck that means. The Duruti column. I think that's a thing. I don't know. The only thing about it is their band. Really? Do they get famous? Mm, no, they're like cult famous. Okay. Because he's really taken with them. Hmm. So that's who he really wants to feature. And let me tell you about them. Um, they formed out of the ashes of the artless, <laughs> anarchic Ed Banger and the Nosebleeds. I'm sorry, but you said anarchic? Yeah. And the name Rudy Column is inspired by the Spanish Civil War anarchist uh, Buenaventura Rudy and a situationist international comic strip of the 1960s. Now I like them. Now, oh yeah, I think it's, I think they're pretty cool. They're probably worth looking into just on a perusal. I think we like them from you know. The recording was great. Show. I want to know so, so much more about the Rudy column now. Me too, man. Because I think that it was... I remember was, being like, whoa, this is weird. Yep. And we stopped. And, and we, it was interesting. Very interesting. And we had no no way of placing it, it in was no, time There was no space. reference for it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Maybe, well, and I know a lot of stuff. I know you do. And I don't. <laughs> but I know well, you Manchester. Do. Yes, and you I'm do. like, of course you this, do. this is different. Well. Hmm. But I like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> So he also, in addition to the Daruti column, was like, and I also have this, this Joy Division. you got to hear them because they're hanging out, you see. Mm. And he's like, man, they're going to be bigger than the Buzzcocks in six months. All right? He's pretty um, certain of that. Okay. Who and Joy Division is? Joy Division, yeah. Are you a Joy Division or a Buzzcock? 
I'm going to say I'm Joy Division only because I couldn't tell you one of their songs off the top of my head, which is kind of maybe sad, but I bet if I listened to them, I'd be like, oh, that's, oh yeah, that's the Buzzcocks. Yeah. I'm guessing. I'm guessing I would have that experience. Let's, Let's play some right now. I dig it. It's a very T-Rex quality. I mean, that's my Which first I impression. Like. I like T-Rex a lot. I'm going to get into the Buzzcocks now. It's going to be yeah. a Buzzcock time in our lives. I've only listened to a minute or so of them, but I like Joy Division better. Yeah. I mean, it's... Joy Division is like really original, though. Very. And just talk about a feeling. Yeah. Have you ever had a feeling? <laughs> Have you ever... Have you ever danced, danced, danced <laughs> to the radio? <laughs> What's that ballad where he sings Isolation. all off key? Oh, yeah. Which, the ballad. There's a ballad that Joy Division does that he's like, it's like really beautiful, but it's like, yes. but it's kind of like wonky. Can you believe like that, that he like they signed off on that? <laughs> I, but it's beautiful. Have we ever talked about that? I know exactly. I know we, what song is that though? Oh, I we skipped that Same. one because I, I don't like a ballad. No, I know. And that one. No, but we gotta find favorite. it. I'm sorry. Yep, this is it. And this is the song that was featured on the Tony Wilson movie. In the Tony Wilson movie. Always It's so good though. It's so it's <laughs> it is good. It's just that it's funny about the singing on that song. Yeah, it's I mean it's interesting. What an interesting arrangement though. Yes, Musically, very minimal. Uh, I don't know. I feel like he could have gotten it on a different day or something. I know that that producer's really I'm so good. glad that we're having this conversation about that song. Me, yes, me too. Don't Can we all admit away. it? What about the listener? Can you sense that In he's silence. <laughs> that's That's me just being normal. I sound like, that's what I sound like saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it gives me hope. Will you sing There's it still for hope. us? Yeah. All right, let's hear. Okay. <laughs> we do karaoke. But that's a gorgeous arrangement. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, it reminds me of the Cure. Yeah. I mean, uh, pictures of you. All right, let's get some words here. Sorry. <laughs> we walk away. That's good. In silence, <laughs> walk away. <laughs> well, maybe that <laughs> the fact that um, <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. You sounded that maybe that's your karaoke song. <laughs> oh my god, it totally is. <laughs> So, you should do a guitar <laughs> cover of that one as well. 
Oh, all right, this story, it's not over. We've got to get through it, all right? They're talking. They're going to get the sampler disc. Okay, and Roger Eagle's like, you know what? I got some bands, too. Have you heard of Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark? Have you heard of that band? Will, Tony Wilson's maybe like, no, I don't know. That sounds great. He's like, that is our the Liverpool... That, flagship band that is the flagship band that is the one uh, they're like uh yeah the the, the packet the Liverpool Wheel them packet. Out. Yep. yeah they they represent How all that is can these people allow these band names to go uh, like like forward what in the world so he's like also have you heard of a band called echo and the bunny man have you heard of that band echo and the what exactly <laughs> exactly Okay. But can we just have a moment for, <laughs> can we have a moment just here and now for orchestra maneuvers in the dark? OMD, baby. OMD, thank you. You know the acronym. It just rolls off the tongue. All right? What's that song that I did? Um, the one that you are most familiar with because they have done many songs. But there's one that What's you their mentioned. Song, though? <laughs> um... All I can think oh, wait, is. I got it. I want to sing. I want to. I think I know this. Yeah. Exactly. Is that them, really? Yes. What? Please How? don't run away. Was that in like a pretty in pink? <laughs> was that in the Breakfast Club? No, that was in my favorite. Oh. of John Hughes. It's oh. pretty in pink, even though. Sweet. It is 16 candles. No, no, no. Pretty. Im- <laughs> okay. So, but they have other songs and I want to play some of them now. Okay. Name one. Well, I don't, okay. It was, I was trying to remember this seventh grade. So I was what? 12 and 13. This is what I was rocking. Okay. Orchestra. But a song you don't know. Man. I'll follow. Why don't I give them a follow? <laughs> now they have 1,955,430 followers. You're welcome, <laughs> OMD. Enola Gay. Sure. All right. Okay. Picture me in seventh grade. Now, it's not really even cool to like this music. This moment has passed, you know? Yeah. You've got like... um. I mean, we're way past, like, Run DMC. We've got, like, this existed alongside, like, Nirvana for me. But now this moment is back again. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think we get it. So. All right. Okay. Good. You like it? That is their most popular song on uh spotify right i've never heard it okay (laughs) i've heard however yeah if you leave right which is not as popular by 17 million listens for some reason it must be a movie that this song happened in or you can imagine yourself dancing yeah to that song okay so they were they played eric's for the first time a little after echo and the bunny man so in like 78 um, and so I've watched interviews or like some documentary that came out recently about them. Yeah. I saw a little thing recently too, yeah, where they you? played some like 
showcase yep, or something exactly in your notes, or, you show, or a little bit of that you showed me some of did that. i show it to you Maybe. okay i don't know if I, how much of it i watched but i want to say can i ask a question can i just please. interrupt it? okay please it kind of occurs to me right now yeah that omd is like more popular than echo and the bunnyman all right right is that by the numbers is that true though that's like probably true Right out of the ways. gate, you know they they were the other <laughs> like they were the. Mm-hmm, it's true. I'm just, they I'm were just, the big contenders I'm in just a way. Now here. here's the thing about them: if you watch interviews and see old footage, okay, they did not feel accepted by the Eric's crowd. You know the elite. They maybe didn't feel like maybe Ian and Julian and everybody were the cool kids and omd somehow you know how the neighborhoods you know how they are with their neighborhoods and their uh-huh. little areas i think they were like maybe in a more posh area or in a different area may not even been more posh I'm, i hate to i have a very unscientific uh uh research i just did into <laughs> my question on because i do i have a spotify account and on that web uh app uh OMD has almost almost two million monthly listeners at one million nine hundred fifty five thousand four hundred and twenty nine, <laughs> now including me. Their number one song, Enola Gay, that we just heard, has about fifty almost fifty million plus listens. They have more monthly listeners than Echo and the Bunnymen, who are at one million five hundred forty five. So they have about half a million more monthly listeners. Half a However, million. the Killing Moon has 25 million more plays than Enola Gay. Interesting. Which would make sense. All right. Because OMD probably had some more hits or something. Yeah, I guess so. But they're kind of peppier. They're they're peppier, absolutely. There is a, like... Clearly. <laughs> let's hear... Well, yeah. I want to just play another... Is that the one where John Cusack pulls the radio out the window? Um, no. Doesn't he like hold up a radio? He holds it up, yes. Yeah, yeah. Did you say throw it out a window? Holds it outside. He's outside. Outside the window, exactly. And he plays like the Peter Gabriel song. He plays the Peter Gabriel. In your eyes. Yep. Which is better than any of the songs we've ever talked about. (laughs) (laughs) That's your killing mood? No, I, I don't know. Killing Moon's better than Your Eyes. I don't know. Your Eyes is pretty. That's a good song like, right there. Uh, in the, that's like on the highest level of Teller song, you know. Here's the thing about orchestra maneuvers in the dark. They get weird. They get they get weird. All right. Yeah. They um they have a musical sophistication. They remind me of something you would like. I feel like they're out. slightly closer to Prague, but yeah, there is like kind of a '50s, you know, just a very sock hoppy, like you said in an earlier episode. Thing about them, I said something about them <laughs> on this program before. We talk about them quite a bit, and uh, you say that, you know. So, listen. I just I don't look back. I, I exactly, but we're about to look back, back into the past, even again. further back <laughs> to the founding of Manchester. That's right. The always deep, the deep history. Of I feel like I should have lingered on that longer, records. but well, we all know, right? Um. So, Roger and Pete. Okay, so they're going to do it. They're going to meet again on the following Monday. Okay? The sampler would be a 12-inch release. 
echoing the golden years of the old Harvest Island sampler records Mm -hmm. for you record people. And it's going to be cheap and you're going to, you know, want to get this album. So let's get the ball rolling Monday. See you next Monday. (laughs) Okay. During the weekend, however, Shane. During the weekend. Uh Uh-huh. A curious thing happened, mm. which may have altered the direction of the music scene of both cities forever. Oh, man. Okay? Okay. So Tony Wilson, happy to allow Eagle's idea to swim around in his head and just was genuinely excited, okay? He decided just you know, being in kind of an upbeat, excited mood that he would just stop over at uh, Chris Joyce's house. Okay. That's the drummer of the Derudy column. Okay. He's going to head over to that guy's house. All right, so this is like pivotal. I need to know more about the Derudy <laughs> column. Let's go. He's hanging out. He goes inside, and he sits cross-legged, Onto the on the ground, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and drops a tab of acid. Oh, <laughs> okay. Tony Wilson does. Tony Wilson does on okay. a whim. Just why not? Yeah, it's Friday. I mean, I've done that. And you got you know. Like, hey, you want to do this? I'm like, yeah. And then 30, 40 minutes later, I'm like, why, why, why did I do that? Oh, yeah, I know. Some people, I know the people afternoon. that are casually do it all the time. Oh, I know. Oh, and they and they enjoy me. it. Yes. They say, I could handle it. I went to high school on acid. That's right. You yeah. sure did. And I was just like, huh, huh. <laughs> I remember walking down the hall, tripping balls, and like kid was like, hey, Shane, tripping again, huh? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I just didn't care. <laughs> but now I'd be like horrified. I would, I would have a complete, I mean. Yeah, you would. I've seen you do it. Like, you can't do it anymore. Yeah. I feel like I could. But it's oh, you, it's like you just don't want to. It's but you ever had that? I like went to this like random person's house oh, and they had like yeah. they had some like it was like a Mad Hatter. Little Good morning, party. yeah. People I don't even know, and they were like, "We have yeah. this punch with you know mushrooms or it or something." And I was like, "Oh, okay, sure." And then I was like, and "Then I'm at a house with a bunch of people I don't know." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what mm-hmm. am I doing? I feel like I was always at a house with a bunch of people I didn't know. Go to a party of yeah strangers and. Uh, just on a Sunday. This is Friday, though, so why not? He went for it. He took some acid, all right? Yeah. Um, and so he sits down, and he starts talking about this label and stuff, and then he starts, what do you do when you're on acid? You start leafing through some records, your friend's le- record and tape collection or CD collection, you know, where you just, like, look at the album covers. And then he comes across... An old favorite, Santana's Abraxas. Mm. Does that conjure any acid memories for you, Shane? Oh, uh, I mean. Okay. You at know. First, he wasn't. <laughs> They're fine. <laughs> so when he first looked at he wasn't sure what he was looking at. Yeah, the cover is trippy. Is this a dog? Am I looking at a tree? Is this my foot? Um, what is this? Yeah. So he simply, so he was like, am I, is my, the acid deceiving me? 
no, there's something weird about the sleeve. He's like, oh, the sleeve is weird. Okay. The cover, I don't know. Do you know what this album looks like? Yeah. Okay. So this particular album uh, record he's looking at was an import from Thailand. Okay. And the sleeve had been printed not on card, but on paper and had been sealed in a layer of cheap plastic. Does that mean anything to you? No. Printed out on card, but on paper. And was sealed. Okay, whatever. Wait, wait, say it again. <clears throat> okay. This record, this this thing he's looking at, the sleeve yeah. had been printed not on card, mm-hmm. but on paper. Okay. But had been sealed in a layer of cheap plastic. Not cellophane, but like cheap plastic. Because mm-hmm. I tell you, this is like, so. I wonder who did this album cover. It's also, it's like super reminiscent of Miles Davis' Bitches Brew. Is that, let me see, 60s then. Okay. Yeah. Lots of. Uh, Lots of boobs <laughs> going on. A lot of intricacy. So. But do you know what I mean? Have you know the cover of Miles Davis' Bitches Brew? I wouldn't be surprised if it was the same artist. Really? Mm-hmm. Madi Klarwein did Abraxas. Well, here's what is is interesting to me is he, I don't know that it's the album art, but the notion of a plastic bag and a sheet of folded paper housing a double seven inch format. Yeah, yeah, got it. But I'm excited that he, I put that together because that is the same that artist. Is, I am proud of you. See. So he, not only does he, so he thinks this plastic bag and sheet of folded paper thing is a great idea Mm -hmm. and it would set the standard for the innovative style of the forthcoming label. Okay. He decides this on acid. Yeah. Wow. It is in a fit of inspiration. Just like a minimalist thing. I think it's minimalist. Yeah. What he's describing to me. Yeah. Sounds. That's cool. Industrial, but I can't picture what he's talking about exactly. Paper. Paper, plastic. Paper and plastic. Folded paper. Got it. All right. Double seven inch. Okay. Uh, and so the mix of artists would be simple. Joy Division, Darudi Column would be given a side. And then Eagle could pick his two, which would be Teardrops, Bunnymen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he then relays his idea to the Joy Division manager. Which is not the A&R guy. We got managers. Right. Rob Gretton, who seemed delighted. All right. So his band had already ventured into the studio under the guidance of idiosyncratic producer Mart- Martin Hannett. Okay, oh, not oh. Mark. <clears throat> not, what's this guy's name? Mark Hammond. John Hammond. John Hammond. This is Martin Hannett. Hannett. And his band had... It seemed... Okay, I don't know what band he's talking about, though. So, it seemed odds-on that Teardrop Explode and Bunnymen would make their vinyl debuts on the same artifact that would contain Joy Division's second release, okay? Okay. 
So Martin Hannett was the I think A and R guy for no, he's the manager of, of Joy, Joy Division. Division. Okay. So he so basically they're like they'd already started their second release and it would have they would have been on the same album. However, okay, so however, on Monday, uh-huh. the meeting with Eagle staggered to an unlikely conclusion. Eagle didn't like the idea for the double seven-inch format. He thought it would be lost among the stacks of independent seven-inch releases. Okay? He thought it was too expensive, and he did not think... No, he said no to that. He thought it would be too expensive. To and that it would be a, to the detriment of the sell. music. It hmm. wouldn't sell. I also thought that a sampler disc would have to be 12 inches and should perhaps contain more tracks by more bands. That's, this, is what, this is what Roger's saying. We couldn't agree. We couldn't agree on that one. And we had a friendly argument, but then he left the meeting. And that's that was that. That was that. So but I thought they did press that. No. That never happened? It didn't happen. Are you fucking serious? But we did. We still had to tell that whole story. Wait, they never pressed that split? They never pressed it. With the Derudy column. Why did I but think that they did? But this is a whole did? section in this chapter. Wait, well, <laughs> and why it's did... often talked about as well. Okay. Yeah. So... Why did I think that that had happened? Because I, I think Bill Drummond. It would be cool t- if it Where's did. Bill Drummond? Okay, that's what I, I want to know. It didn't happen. Where is Bill Drummond? In the story. Oh, That's what I've been waiting for you should ask. the whole time. Funny you should ask. <laughs> Where is Bill Drummond? Perfect segue. But, but is he... Well, I'll tell you this. Has he come on the scene yet? Where is I think, he? Okay, Eric's Records is kind of a thing. All this, all this Eric's is records? to say that Eric's Records, they do kind of start a label. Okay. In their mind. Called Eric's Records? I think so. I'm confused, y'all. This stuff is boring to me. I'm sorry. Okay. This is like some old dude. I, yeah. But I know that, you know, the music lovers and the producers are... What was Drummond's so label called? What was Drummond's I, label called again? Leave, Didn't like, Drummond start a label? Oh, yes, he did. And it was called... Well, it's not a label yet, but it's, it's just a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. But just to wrap up, Eric and Pete... All they know is they want to sign Echo and the Bunnymen mm. to their label. Who? Eric? Did you say Eric? Eric's <laughs> Records. I'm sorry. Roger? <laughs> Roger and Pete. All I know is Roger and Pete. And Russell. And, Russell. and Eric. <laughs> Tony. And Wilson. And Pete. Everybody wants to sign Echo. Do you know why? Let me tell you why. Tell this, me why. Because I actually, now I know. I, right. I, I, it, it just occurred to me. Yeah. Um, what was it? Why oh, do they get No, no, no. Shh. Teen appeal in the form of okay. Ian McCulloch as like poster boy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why they wanted to sign him. Yeah. Well, that's not true. What do you mean? He's like a, a beautiful specimen. But what if you had never seen them at all when you decided to sign them or heard them at all? What if you just liked their name? 
Mm. Okay, let me tell you another little story here. No, it's okay. Um, so Roger and Pete. Okay. Pete and Roger. <laughs> okay, so what you were saying, so Where's right. Bill Drummond? That's Meanwhile, what I'm that's what that's, that's all what that is what Shane wants to know. So let's go. He's my favorite sidebar subject that I've like you know, gotten out of this podcast. He's your guy. He's your friend. You're wondering where your your guy is. I just know that he's about to like kind of be involved here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now that, now that there's some action finally happening on a, as we is there, <laughs> boldly move into is there episode any? 24. So meanwhile, big in Japan. Remember that little band mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that had like 500 people? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So remember Drummond's in that band. Was he? Well, yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. What does he I'm play? Sorry, our dog is making. Our dog is having a dream right now. <laughs> Going. <laughs> Listen. Can you... Oh. She's barking at something. She's barking at something in her dream. <laughs> she's very small. But in her oh, dream, I she's defending. I can't. I can't. I know. It seems like but she's maybe she's distressed. working through something. So, Drummond is mm-hmm. in this band mm-hmm. with a bunch of other people. Can you name any of them? I'm going to go with Budgie and Balfi. Yes. And, uh, I'm, oh, wait. I know. No, I know all of them. Hold on. Oh, what's that guitar player's name? What's that guitar player's name? The Jew. What's his name? My people. What is his name? What's his name? Ian Brody. Ian Brody is my Brody. And also, there's a woman in this band whose name I forgot, but she's the singer. All right. Jane Casey. Well, Jane Casey, yes. You miss somebody. You miss one guy. Well, Bill Drummond. I know we're talking about that already. We're talking about Holly Johnson. From Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Oh, he was in it too? He was the original bass player. And his from name my understanding. is Holly? <laughs> okay. Yep. It's his name. And he gets kicked out by Drummond, I think I'm to understand. Okay. I believe that. He's the enforcer. He's like a kicker-outer probably. You know, somebody's got to get the job done. Yeah. So he chooses. That's usually my, my, my role. <laughs> Exactly. I have kicked many a people out of a band, and it is never fun, and it sucks. Yeah, and it's never it's fully why I your play decision by myself unless you're just like time. after we... I don't have to do it anymore. I know. It's, you know, like, we. well, we'll talk about this more when we talk about the fall, but um, Holly Johnson gets kicked out, and, um, and Bill Drummond brings in David Balfi. All right, all right. <laughs> and so... Balfler. They're all, you know, they've got their band. But then he becomes a problem. David Balf is a problem. Now he's getting to be the problem. Balfie's a problem? Now he's, yeah. He is um, copping off, according to Tony Fletcher, with Jane Casey. What does that mean? I don't know. Copping off? I think it's messing around. I, I want someone, I like when people just write us a letter. Copping us. off. That's what I think it is, yeah. Okay. Slacking off. Copulating. Oh, there's that. That would be gossip. 
top off kissing someone, aka snogging, making out. Oh, so they're. Oh. That's in the Urban Dictionary. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure that's it. Uh, it's also that's fun to know. Be like a third person to successfully engage the company of someone for a period of time. Is the that, all right? So he was successfully engaging the company of the singer. Okay. Why is that a problem? I don't know, but man, the band just decided, hey, let's not do this anymore. Let's just go our separate ways. And you know what? They were not a good band. Let's just, <laughs> let's, first of all, it was just a bunch, bunch of dinguses, teenagers playing music together. Yep. Uh, and, and that's exactly yeah. how Bill Drummond felt. He was like, good riddance. Now I can pursue my true destiny my dream his lifelong dream and own a record label mm-hmm. okay okay and here comes balfi saying i'm gonna can i help you i yeah. want to do it too with you nice we do it together all right and bill drummond sees that his dad owns a car and thinks man i could use that car of his dad's balfi's dad balfi's dad so he's like you can be my partner. You can be my business partner. Mm-hmm. Bill Drummond then proceeds to take out the mortgage, use the mortgage from his home. Okay. That he, this home that he bought with money that he saved on the dole, he's going to take the mortgage out on this house to finance a record company, a label known as Zoo Records. Right? All right. You remember that? I do. Yeah, I was I was, I was searching my <laughs> mind for the name of the label. I was hoping that you wouldn't ask me, and you didn't, thankfully. Uh, but it doesn't matter now because I've confessed I that I was sitting here thinking that. Like, what is it again? What is I it saw again? this look. You're like, okay, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's called. I know this, but I can't remember right now. Mm-hmm. I'm the expert. Okay. All right. It's amazing how much, because I was like, you read that book too soon, Bill Drummond's book. Yeah, I but to... you've forgotten it anyway. So it's. I mean, something stuck read. in there. I'll read it again when it's time. Yeah, exactly. So, he sees he has a car. All right, so, so they're in business. They got some money, and their first release is Big in Japan from Y to Z and back again. That's that, the first Zoo Records release. That is the first, yeah. yeah is that a full-length album? Well, I've listened to God, it. I can't Back remember. in the day, I, I listened listen to it. to it. It was nothing to write home about, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, sorry. But, you know, it doesn't matter. It's punk. I have to listen to it again. Yeah. It's not fresh. Let's check it out. All right, let's hear, hear it. Big in Japan. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, yeah. It sounds like a local punk band. It's a lo- exactly. That's what it was <laughs> in Liverpool. Um, and so when Balfi and Drummond like produce a record together, they call themselves the Chameleons. Does that yeah. ring a bell too? 
Just know that. Okay. Know that. Okay. That's a thing. Okay. Right. Uh huh. They they did that together. Okay. All right. Um. Bell so, Drummond is uh he's good at like working with people, you know. That's the thing. He always has a friend. Yeah. And that is the best way to operate. Yeah, because like, like with the know? KLF, he's got the Jimmy Cotty. You just need a, and a friend. Just, and they just they rock uh-huh. it out for decades. They're friends. Yeah. So. They get into some hijinks. Mm-hmm. So. Back again. Bill started the label. There's a man. Okay, more region of the house. All right. So, I don't know if I need to mention this, but Bill Drummond does not know anything about how to run a label. Yeah. Like, no idea. Huh. Yeah. The, the lack of experience is emphasized. But because he's smart and creative, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. be pretty savvy. Yeah, he's, he's magnetic. Right. He's, he's large and in charge. Is it really rocket science either? No, people start labels all the time, don't exactly. know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. So. You're just like, I'm going to put something out. Uh-huh. There you go. There you go. But I mean. Yeah. But he, yeah. But he actually had a little, a bit of a special uh, gift and flair. And I mean, clearly pulled some yeah, shit off. Yeah, the guy's, uh, he gets it done. Yep. So. So he thinks whatever album with Big in Japan is going to really take off, and of course it doesn't. But then he comes over, to, goes over, he runs into Julian one day, and Julian is like, I got a band. And he was like, you had a band last week. He's like, no, this is, this is the one. This is the one. This one is Teardrop Explodes. And he's like, well, what happened to Shallow Madness? And, uh, and he's like, no, no, man. Teardrop Explodes. This is going to be the band it's gonna change the world bill drummond says it's so coincidental that you have this album this uh new band because i just started a record label how about i put out your album there you go let's go into business together yeah let me put it put it out for you so he does he puts out a single called sleeping gas that he records for 36 bucks, it gets rave reviews. Mm. It actually does something. Yeah. At all. Which is better than nothing <laughs> and more than most. <laughs> that is the truth. So, Teardrop Explodes. I'm it's still gonna, listening. It's, re- it's <laughs> reached its kind of final formation. I mean. Yeah. This is the this is the band that's going to take for Julian, okay. and it consists of the f- the following personnel. Um, notice I don't know off the top of my head because these two names. Okay, Gary Dwyer and Mink Finkler. Mink, All right, Mick, oh, Mick, Mick, Mick Finkler. Finkler. Woo! And also we're gonna have Paul Simpson in there at some point. Okay. Just a bunch of cocks on the block. Let's Not go. Not to be confused with Paul Rutherford. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or Michael Rutherford, guitarist <laughs> from Genesis. Uh, so, uh, well, Julian Cope has an album. What does Julian Cope tend to do when something good happens for him? Uh, I'm going to say tell everybody. <laughs> Yes, he does. 
But this other thing that he does is he tries to um, include Ian McCulloch into whatever good's happening to him. He wants to share it with his friend. Ian. His buddy Ian, who's still his friend at this point. Now, it's driven by guilt. That's what everyone seems to think. Oh, boy, is that script going to (laughs) flip. So he, so he, gosh, says to Drummond one this day. This is so human. Bill, I know this um, this other guy, this other band is forming. It's called Echo and the Bunnymen. Bill doesn't ever listen to them. He doesn't hear them, but he decides to sign them because of their name. Never wow. heard him okay. sign him because, you know, because that is the kind of... Well, he's a man of action. He is. He goes, he goes with his gut intuitions. It tells me that he trusts Julian somehow and also that he's erratic <laughs> and, you know... He's kind of a mystic, though, you know? He's a mystic, he knew. And so Julian doing this, um, to me, like, I think that's so big-hearted. But if it's driven by guilt... He must feel that he really owes him one. And mm. is it just for sacking him from a shallow madness? For not showing up on time? Is it for stealing his song? Read it in books. Uh. Does he consider it stolen at the time or at any point? That comes later, I imagine. Why, why, is it, why do we know that this is uh, motivated <sighs> by guilt? Well... That's kind of the generic story. And it's told, and it's, you know, we're kind of like in the Tony Fletcher realm right now of Never Stop, the okay. um, book about, you know. Okay, all right. It's been passed down through the ages that... The Echo and the Bunnyman story. Cope felt guilt. Yes, he for... felt remorse for sacking him from a shallow madness. And that is why he offered him the first gig. Now, once again, he's trying to get him signed. Yeah. Huh. Does he want to do this this fatalistic dance with this other man? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. And maybe he just believed in the music, you know? Yeah, it was good. They had that show up first show was good. And uh, you know. <laughs> or did he just want to be like two lions? Like he's gonna he wanted to have a friend out there. Yeah, you never a lot of times Savannah. people are like, look, fame really fucks things up for people. That's what you know? it, that's... Mm-hmm. And so when you're on the scene and you're, everyone's doing the thing, we're going to, like, help each other out, blah, blah, blah. But then things get weird if things take off for, like, someone and not someone else. And blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's like... It's, but it's an interesting dynamic. Unfortunately, mm, yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't way. have to be that it way. It doesn't have to be that way. I don't world. think it has to be that and way. Maybe but Julian but was hoping so it wouldn't much. be. Yeah. It does because yeah. capitalism, man. Yeah. And Struggling, yeah, you know, yeah. for... It, Probably, oh, it's been that way. Been, I think it's always been that way. Some human flaw about like, you know, or maybe some, uh, you know, masculine flaw or something. It's a man. Yeah, I like, feel like I disagree. Who, pay, who see me? Pay, pay attention to me. I know, it's you know, kind of like who's gonna pay attention? To me? But but at the stage of the game, it's not there share. yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. No, but we are in a place of just like eh, who. I am the most famous. How many record deals do you have? Well, how many sales? Oh, but I feel yeah. slighted by. I mean, yeah. oh, it's and, gonna. Mm, and this guy it. Bill decided he just isn't has 
He's a label now. He's a label, so he's... So people, hey, you just decide you're going to do that. I'm a label That's now. That's how it goes. I am too. And I have a club. I'm a label too. I got a label. I got a club. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, I got to go to bed. It's been uh, It's been. It's been journey. two hours or so. I'm excited. You to, really are uh, a trooper. Just keep dreaming about this stuff and just live in the realms of the unreal, as our uh, letter writer said. You know, you really... Whose name I can't remember at the moment, but that's <laughs> only because this is like weeks after I read that letter. Uh, I was trying to make it sound like episode. we did this all in one night. <laughs> so forgive. You but, could never say But I'll listen again long. and then I'll know again. And we'll keep in touch because I know we keep in touch. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. So, so that's our episode. So there it is. Some okay. letters, some record wheeling and dealing, some Manchester. Yeah, a, and, little uh, of, a little bit of that. Yeah. Okay, so now... We have some up- update here, though. We have a... This is the outro. Do, 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 do. This just in. All right. Drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. Shane over here has now listened to a band, has listened to Orchestra Maneuvers in the Dark, and he has some things to say. Uh-huh. Take it away, Shane. I listened to them a lot in the last few days since we had our conversation. Um, I got to say, I really like this band a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I was really surprised. I don't know. I don't know what it is about. Maybe their name turned me off and I only you know, knew the one pop song. And I'm just, I, I, I tend to resist most things that that's come my true. way. Yeah, that's true. I, I tend to like when people are like, something's good. I'm just kind of like, hmm. And then, like, I get into it later. But I wanted to check this out. And then I listened to, like, their first few albums and some live stuff. And I was just honestly blown away. I mean, there's a strong, I see, like, strong correlates. I mean, there's a lot, of, there's a big, I think, craft work element to their sound. And uh, some of it reminded me of The Residents. Um, like, just not. I thought that not, was an interesting comparison. We talked about craft work being kind not of. Not all of it. They just have some quirky melodies. shit, though. They have some quirky shit Who? mixed in. OMD. OMD, yeah. Yeah, they mix in some quirky stuff that's kind of like... 60s you know. experimental. But there's a, there, there, there's this like psychedelic experimental element, this minimal element, but overall beautiful melodies and then the pop tunes are just jamming and I just, uh, yeah, I really turned around uh, my, um, my ignorant uh, pseudo opinion about them <laughs> that I had during that talk. And, you know, and I think that's why you, listener... One of the reasons you like our podcast, you know, this is a coming of age story for us as well. You know, we're learning and our opinions are changing. So you're welcome. Okay. You're yes, we are. I'm learning. And thank you. Because I'm pretty fixed, but I'm, I'm learning and expanding my palate overall. That's, that's, that's a big deal for Courtney. (laughs) Because she's, she's steadfast in her opinions. In my albums that I listen to, there's not many of them. I'm not. I, I'll, like, Ooh, it's a I'll be like, song. I don't like something, and I'll, oh, I like it. No. Yeah. And like with the OMD thing, I was like, I just didn't really know. And so I was like, all right, I'll listen. And, and then I knew you would love them. Actually, they're like, I like them a lot. They could easily be one of your favorite bands. They're one of my favorite bands. <laughs> yep. That was it. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening we've already got an episode pretty much finished coming up about the fall uh you know 
my favorite of Ian's influences. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We could have had a Bowie episode. Oh, that would be fun. But I guess, we didn't. But everyone, everyone <laughs> talks about Bowie. That's what I'm saying. I mean, a lot of people have uh, at this point. But I guess it'll be all right. We put our spin on it, though. You know, we can put our spin on Bowie. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we put our spin on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, and if you want to write us a letter or something, echo in here podcast at gmail.com. If you want to send money, you can really just send it to Shane on his Patreon at Shane. Who knows? Everybody's having. No one has any money right now. I'll give you my. uh, It's an email. Just buy some groceries for yourself. uh, My Venmo account. You can just (laughs) send me some dough. Yeah. Email email to find out more how to pay us. How to give me money. (laughs) Um. Yeah. And uh, we're on Instagram. And that's all. See you next time.